You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 96. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and joining me this week are Matt, Asian reporter Trisha Takanawa Much. Thank you, Dan. You're not going to believe what happened today. <laughs> I was so spot on. It was awesome. And also joining us this week is Dean, formerly dilapidated boat, Skarsgård DeFalco. Thank you, King Maxwell. <laughs> not what? joining us this week are Evan, it's okay, I swear I'm Jewish Goldstein, uh, because he's stuck in the city. Like, That's what he says every week now. He's know, just fucking I don't, watching porn. I think that's what it might be. I oh, is Evan that an is. option? I gotta go. <laughs> Joining me this week is Dean DeFalco, and that's it. The other two guys are beating it. Ugh. Things are oh, taking a turn already. I just watch it for the art. Oh, I'm just, just trying to get the story. So uh, it was a week in comics, gentlemen, and uh, not a week that I enjoyed all that much. Um, oh, so we're gonna agreed. Be honest, okay. Yeah, going to be honest with you guys. Didn't get uh, Evil Ernie. Didn't get to read that. Did either of you? Yeah. I, I did. How and, was it? Um, Hit me with oh, it. I, that, you kidding? That was like the best thing all yeah, week. Yeah, I was, was going to say that might have been the best was book it? of the week. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> you you missed our, out, man. Of our picks? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so, I mean, first things first, art was really good. Uh, Evil it, Ernie, we're talking? Yeah, Evil Ernie. Yeah. yeah. Art was good. It had that painterly quality that we like. I that, like. That Alex Ross okay. type feel to it. I don't know if I go that far. Rossian. But, uh, well, I, it was Rossian. It wasn't. It, I mean, no one is that good. But I mean, he 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 has his his cheat modes that he does for that. But that that's a podcast for another podcast. Um, yeah. I mean, it it's, it definitely has that look of realism to it. Uh, well, as real as you can get for a murdering zombie rocker. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it was really cool to see that for Evil Ernie because I think a lot of the early Evil Ernie stuff was super kind of cartoony and uh this this uh yeah it was this this really wasn't super cartoony it, it had a uh totally different vibe to it it was definitely creepy like there there were uh like light trails coming out of his eyes and stuff which was really cool it was almost like uh he was vaping but out of his entire body like his entire body was a vape yeah okay vape nice. man <laughs> Vernie. vape uh, man like it's it. yeah, it's good. And um, many people who do digital painting, uh, I don't have any names, but I probably wouldn't call them out anyway. Uh, mm. fail to convey motion mm -hmm. when they do digital painting, but th this was not the case. He definitely had a sense of motion. Uh, throughout all the panels, you know, it this was a very um kinetic comic. Yeah, I get what you mean. A lot of this stuff, I guess, to display the sheer detail that can go into some of this work almost looks like a lot of the characters are frozen in time. And this, it really didn't have that that sense to it. It it Everything seemed like it was moving, like there was motion, like there was action going on, which made it a better read because you kept wanting to turn the page to see what was going to happen and not just sit on the page and stare at a still frame. Well, that's good because... 
like I may be one of the few people who will admit out loud that I don't like Alex Ross. Like I, I can it, I can look at his stuff and I can agree that it is good. There is obviously talent there, but as far as what I like to read in a comic book, it is just a, a very static image. It to me is very boring. Plus I also don't want to see pictures of his dad as Superman. You know, like that's just not not my thing. So uh, to hear that this has some of the same aspects of that, but is actually still done like a comic book and not a painting is, is a good thing because God damn it. Evil Ernie deserves that. Are you familiar with the character, Dan? Uh, to a point. I mean, it has probably been a good 15 years since I have read an evil Ernie book. Sure. So I couldn't tell you where they last left the story, but he was always one of those, like in the late 80s, early 90s, he was one of those characters where it was like, oh, you, like Evil Ernie and Lady Death were the books that, they were the, the, the independent yet still accessible comics of the time. Like before, in, before Image came out and made, um, made independent comics cool, Evil Ernie was something that everybody knew about. So, you know, I mean, take that for what it is. I don't want to take it anywhere. Maybe I'll put it in a lunchbox. Maybe I'll take it to work. I don't know. I don't know yet. You could. You could. That's a thing you could do. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, I wanted to read it. It's just, uh, you know, everybody has the plague right now. So, so we didn't get, I didn't get to it. Well, plague's dangerous and all. That's okay. Ernie looks diseased. Get back to him. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump over to a book that uh, I just did not care for uh, this week. Uh, spoilers. And we can't even tell which one he's talking about because yeah, that's the rest, all uh, of them. Rest are slim pickings. I there was one that I liked in particular, which I'm sure you guys can can guess which one it was. Um, oh, no, I we're, can't. <laughs> we're gonna jump into uh, Suicide Squad Rebirth. Number one, written by Rob Williams with art by Philip Tan. Uh, the art, I think, was the nicest thing about this book. This book, uh, man, this just needlessly retold the origin story of the Suicide Squad, but took forever and a day to do it. Yeah, I was like bored. This, I was really oh bored. Oh my God, was I bored with this book. It just drug on. Tell me if you can see this. This read like one of the movie adaptations that you usually get out of Hollywood movies. So it's as if this came as an as a afterthought of a second step to the Suicide Squad movie coming out. Which is getting bashed heartily. Online. Yeah, that, that's a whole thing on its yeah, own. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to reserve that's... judgment until I see that, though. No, I mean, I'm still going to go see it, but I, I think you are 100% correct, Matt. This feels, this feels to tie into uh, the Stone Age Gamer, which you can check out every Friday right here on Geekade.com. To tie into our conversation from last night, this feels like the video game adaptation of the movie release. It feels like it was rushed to get Even out more with damning, the movie. Yes. You know, it, it just, man, I was bored. I just didn't care. Um, I, Obama's in it, so that's cool. 
But uh, no, that was my uh, yeah, that was a little my weird. opinion. That's the best part, but I don't know. That's just me. I, I there were some certain like there were some storytelling issues that I didn't care for, like like uh, Amanda Waller. She starts off talking to President Obama. And Obama is pissed off because he has found out about the Suicide Squad somehow. We don't, we don't ever get the reason as to why he knows about the team. Uh, but he tells her, you, you know, we can't have this sort of thing. Not on my watch. These people are fucking maniacs. They're unhinged. Y you know, you're, you, are, you weren't appointed by me. You weren't elected by anybody. You have no oversight. You're just, we're just supposed to basically trust that you are doing the right thing. And she says, well, you don't have to trust just me. You can give the order, and I can bring Colonel Rick Flagg over. And it was like, well, but if she's in charge of the suit, like, she could just do that. Why does she need the order from the president? It just seemed like a very weird exchange. Because her first choice was Rick Flair, and he shot that down. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! Have you, watched Camp w have you watched Camp WWE, by the way? You mean where he's fucking a rock? Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, I, I saw it. Um, I'm not it, the biggest fan, but it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Just Ric Flair yelling woo for a half hour is a good time. And then he starts crying. <laughs> it's pretty damn funny. But, Fantastic. Um, anyway, I digress. So I, I thought that was a little weird as far as the storytelling choice of having her be kind of outside the purview of the presidency and then all of a sudden being involved with the president at, having him give the order to get Colonel Flag out of Guantanamo Bay. Like, I really didn't like how real world they made this. Like, Rick Flag being in Guantanamo Bay. I mean, I know that I am, a, like, a fucking uber-liberal. Like, I get where my political leanings lie and all that shit, but... Guantanamo Bay does not belong in a comic book as a storytelling device. Like that's just fucking offensive to me. Anyway, I, it it felt yeah, cheap. It's a, it's a DC book, though. Well, but that, but even more so because it's a DC book because they don't usually operate within the real world. I mean, they do. Like New York exists alongside Metropolis and Gotham and Coast City and whatnot, but there exists. DC City separately, I don't know. I just, I didn't really care for this book. Everything felt very, uh, very one note to me. Like, all of the characters kind of read the same. It, it, did you guys well, get that sense? Like, Harley didn't feel any different than Deadshot or Boomerang or Obama, for that matter. I, I, there wasn't enough. It was just little snippets of them being like... I got a boomerang. Well, I can shoot well because I never miss. And I'm crazy. I'm like, oh, that's great. Okay, cool. What What else? And then they're like, the end. And I said, okay, this is stupid. I don't want to read another one. I could be wrong, but an entire comic told through an off-screen voiceover is not on the right track? No, I don't think it is. I'm trying to uh, think of one that I love that did that to prove myself wrong, but I can't, luckily. It was a little confusing, to be honest, when I was 
when I was first reading it, you know, it goes from Waller talking about Rick Flag, then her talking to Rick Flag, which, okay, fine, I get it, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden, th she's talking about the mission, but the mission's happening. And I'm like, I don't get it. Is this, is this what's supposed to happen? Is this what's gonna happen if they don't do this the right way? Wh where are we going? And then it cuts back to her talking to him again. I was like, I... I'm not sure what just happened. And then at the end of the book, he's like, let's go save everybody. And I'm again, <laughs> what? Why? Why did you pace it this way? That's silly. They already set off a bomb. And the only thing to do is to set off another bomb. Yeah, it was it was weird. And like and to tie it in to the next book that we'll talk about, Torchwood. On, on the show, Torchwood, did, he, did either of you watch Torchwood? Or Doctor Who, for that matter. No, Seen but... almost all of Torchwood, yeah Matt, yeah. Matt was talking about it a little bit earlier. Okay. I love Torchwood. I, I think it's a great show. I love Doctor Who. It's a great show. Torchwood exists in the Doctor Who universe, and the Doctor, whenever he shows up, is to deal with, like, these big fucking world-ending problems. And right. in Torchwood, specifically the last two seasons, the third season that dealt with the four, five, six and the fourth season that dealt with uh, uh, Miracle Day. Those, these are these giant, like, earth-shattering problems. And the Doctor never shows up. He shows up right. with the little bullshit that Torchwood deals with, but doesn't show, like, it clearly seemed like a problem that the Doctor should handle. The reason yeah, I bring that... that up is because reading through this book, the, the main plot device here is that there is a scientist who has developed a bomb. And if this bomb is set off, then all of the superhumans, all of the metahumans in a, what, a three-mile radius, did they say something like that? It doesn't fucking matter. Within, let's just say within a city, if this bomb was set off in Metropolis, all of the superheroes and supervillains in Metropolis would lose their powers for a set amount of time, a few hours. They would just be normal. 36. 36 hours, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah. 30, they would lose their powers for 36 hours. So you're telling me that there exists in the DC universe a scientist who has developed a bomb that if the bomb is set off, Superman would lose his powers for 36 hours and Batman doesn't fucking know. That's just well, bad storytelling. Yeah, to me. and like, he just it doesn't make it. a lot of sense to. You can't, to me, you can't position the Suicide Squad. In this way, they are best used when they are doing the dirty things that the heroes can't do. That's the thing. Not... Yeah, they're, they're, they're meant to do like small black ops yeah. stuff. This is a world changing event. And she herself says they need to do the things that the uh, that the Justice League can. This is something the Justice League should probably be involved in. In fact, maybe if they were involved, that guy wouldn't have had his hands chopped off and then shot in the head after. <laughs> yeah, it just. Plus, I bet you Batman already has one. Like, it, it yeah. just it makes it hard as somebody who, like, I give a shit about storytelling and continuity and characters being written in a manner that is respectful to the characters. You can tell whatever story you want as long as it makes sense within the universe and the rules that you have already established. So the world's greatest detective doesn't know that there's a fucking superhero bomb that takes away people's powers for 36 hours? It just doesn't make any sense. It's not where I think, 
or where I want to see the Suicide Squad employed. Because, quite frankly, Harley Quinn running and jumping around with a mallet is not the right character in that situation. Like it also, just she's an anime like character. Yeah. yeah, they really yeah. softened her features a lot. It was... It was weird. I mean, the like I said, the best part I thought about the book was Philip Tan's artwork. I thought that was well done for what he was asked to do. Um, but man, I cannot recommend this book at all. Yeah, I'm kind of with Boys, you there. I, I wasn't. No. I wasn't feeling it. I I got to the end of the book and I was just like, this is stupid. You know, I, I apparently the original New Fifty Two run of Suicide Squad with the Harley Quinn stuff. Was uh was good. Get that then maybe like if you want to read Suicide Squad crap from the New Fifty Two, I heard that was all right. You know, do do that maybe. Go back before that. Go back and read the uh, the Gail Simone before the New Suicide Squad, the original DC Suicide Squad that has no Harley Quinn in it. That's what you want to be reading. No, no, I Johnson. That's Johnson. Good. The kids want the Harley Quinn. <laughs> Johnson, get more Harley Quinn in these books. It it just everything felt so slapdash, man. Like it, it didn't I don't know. So it's a no for me, a no from Dean Matt. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You sound like the fucking maid from Family Guy. Oh no, no, Mr. Green. <laughs> no, and no, no Suicide no, no. Squad. <laughs> Fair enough. Alright, so uh I said we would talk about it next. Torchwood number one. Uh, written by Captain Jack Harkness himself, John Barrowman, uh, with art by uh, Pasquale Aquilino, I believe. I think I'm saying that right. Have we I... have we read something else that he's done? That name sounds familiar. Pasquale. Uh, yeah. Colon- uh, Aquaman. Uh, <laughs> Pasquale Aquaman. I don't think so. The name it does sound familiar, but that may just or. Quailano, uh, I think is how you say it. Whatever. Um, I think he it might has just be because a name it's a that sounds name. like a name. Could be. Could be. Uh, it's just. Um, I had the the biggest problem with this book for me was the art, which seemed like it was drawn oh. very hastily in Adobe Illustrator, and uh, then the coloring he was, was weird. He, he, well, he used solids. Which like there there was no fading or anything, which yeah seemed bizarre. Well, not bizarre, but it it just seemed uh um uh very like novice. And uh, for a title like Torchwood, you know, I, I don't know if this is the you know the limit of his uh, ability, but you know, for something like Torchwood, you'd probably want to put someone that could make something a little nicer. On there, a lot of the poses were a little wonky. Uh, the, the the shading was real weird. The colors were just super solid and blocky, and uh, yeah, it kind of just seemed like someone who was on a budget. And uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't really digging it all that much, man. <laughs> Besides other stuff with the book, but I mean, you know, I that said, yeah. I I don't disagree. However, this is one of the few books that I've read where being based on actual actors in a show, it looked just like them. I'll give you that Jack, uh, uh, what the fuck is this, Harkness? Harkness. Yeah, Captain Jack Harkness. Yeah, he, he looked he looked like uh, John Barrowman, I, I thought anyway. Uh, there was the the frame right at the he end. He looked like chibi John Barrowman. 
<laughs> well, yeah, there, there was the frame right at the end where he's on top of the jet ski or whatever, and he kind of looked mm-hmm. like a goblin just with John Barrowman's face. A little bit. And, a little bit. Uh, yeah, like, just... just uh, it was things like that that made me think a little less of the artist. Um, again, I, I don't know if he was just trying something new, but I wasn't really digging the art style, and, I mean, we'll talk about it more in a second. I really wasn't digging the story either. It's well, so weird. It doesn't... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it doesn't... Maybe I... I don't know. Maybe there's two guys with the same name that do comic art, but that seems a little unlikely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I reckon I looked up the name and I read tons of his stuff, and I I just forgot. But this doesn't look like his other stuff. What's the uh? What other title did he do? Well, I don't I don't know if it's any. I there was briefly a wave of comics straight out of Italy. Mm-hmm. Which I I picked up as many of as I could, and they were pretty great stuff, really original ideas. But uh, I don't even know if I can pronounce the titles. It looks like Maybe he did some was... stuff for uh, for Top Cow or Image. <laughs> yeah, he did some for them. I just he wanted has... to see if I could get like another reference because I just wanted to see if he was trying something new and it didn't pan out. He has he Batgirl material, but I don't know if it was just his own work. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, this is just um, bad coloring, kind of killing killing an otherwise it's, decent artwork. I could be way off, but it's like somebody trying to emulate American-style comics that doesn't typically do them. Yeah, that, that's All right, not... Yeah. That's not a that's not a bad uh, a bad way to describe it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking through right now, and uh, I mean he he has sort of a top cow kind of style, sort of like the old Witchblade and and Darkness. It's it's kind of weird. He, he's not even uh, credited on the Comicsology stuff. It says John Barrowman and to be determined. Carol. Yeah. Well, I have Carol, Carol Barrowman. Um, did the art. No, uh, she at- co-wrote. With John, he's then, worked at Titan. Yeah, he's they, worked they at DC. Up. He's worked at Aspen. He's worked at Zenoscope. Jeez, he's been everywhere. Yeah, I mean, he usually does a lot of like cheesecake kind of stuff. He you know, sure big does. Boobs, big thighs, tiny ankles. Why do you think I was reading them? Well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the art, not great. It's it's. It's it's a very weird uh, looking book. Like I said, they the faces are pretty damn accurate. Like Jack looks like Jack. Um, Gwen looks like Gwen. Fucking Reese, her husband looks like Reese. Uh, but the new characters that are introduced, or at least were new to me, because I had not, uh, I have not been following the ongoing Torchwood audio dramas. See, in in England. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hole this, in my knowledge, too. Yeah, I mean, they do this really great thing for a lot of their popular uh, fictionalized things. And the the company that, that is usually responsible for it, Big Finish Audio, and they've done a ton of Doctor Who and a ton of Torchwood. And when the shows were off the air, like Torchwood is currently and like Doctor Who was uh, back before the 2005 reboot, they continued to do in-continuity stories 
but like old-timey radio dramas. You know, the actors would come into the studio, they would read them, they would record them and put them out, you know, an episode at a time, and you would get a whole new story completely and totally acted out by the actors on the show. You know, that, that kept the thing going. Torchwood has been doing this for the last couple of years. I have not heard any of them, uh, being the, that I live in New Jersey and not England. I know we have the internet. I know I could find them. I've just been too lazy to do it. So apparently, Gwen and and Captain Jack have been having adventures since the end of the Miracle Day show that was on uh, Showtime uh, about three years ago, four years ago now. It was a 10-issue or 10-episode miniseries that was... Dark. It was fucking dark. I don't know that it was bad, but I also don't know that it was good. It just kind of... It was an Americanized Torchwood. So, take that for what it was. There were certainly parts of it I enjoyed. I mean, anytime John Barrowman is on screen as Captain Jack, it is incredibly watchable. Except horrible, horrible things happen to him. Yeah, they really do. They, I mean, not like, maybe not as horrible as, as Yanto in the 456, because that fucking rolled a tear not not ashamed to to admit it like that was heartbreaking but anyway so getting to the point of this story uh they kind of throw us right into it as if we have been keeping up with the continuity there is a new ship that jack is a part of the ice maiden that has a ton of alien tech apparently jack has been continuing on with his mission of or torchwood's mission of protecting the earth from a bunch of alien bullshit Gwen is now the director of Torchwood Cardiff. We get to see another Torchwood house up in uh, Scotland, I believe is where it was. I don't have the book in front of me. Uh, but we see another Torchwood house where one of the guys who's there, uh, he seems to be one of the elder statesmen of Torchwood, maybe somebody that Jack has, has trusted to put in charge. He ends up getting shot by Captain John Hart, comes back, who uh, in the original... Torchwood TV show is played by Spike, because I don't know, James, isn't it James something? Marsters? James Marsters, Spike on Buffy, was in, on Torchwood, played Captain John Hart. Just a fucking dick. I mean, just an awful, awful human being, but a great villain on the show. Um, he is back in this issue. He kills this guy at Torchwood, Scotland. Um, and then there's a lot of a lot of jumbling around and not a lot makes sense. There's some alien shit going on. Jack is on this planet with a bunch of weird eyes and he gets sucked or he transports back onto the boat while he is transporting back out onto his boat. When I say boat, I do mean an actual boat out in the water. Uh, actual there's boat. some There's some teenagers, it appears to be, or young, young 20-somethings out on the beach. One of them gets pulled onto the boat as well. Uh, it was kind of a big fucking mess. I kind of dug it because I love Torchwood, and I'm excited for there to be new Torchwood. I don't know if you are not a fan of Torchwood. I don't think this book will interest you even a little bit. It's not. I, I'm I'm not a fan. Well, it's not that I'm not a fan of Torchwood. It's just I've never really seen it. And I was like, oh, maybe this will be fun to read. It wasn't. It was not fun to read. This book was a complete fucking shit mess. Fuck. It was kind of a mess. 
It was a huge Again, mess. Again, somebody's trying to do non-linear, and they're not really good at it. Well, it, it's a, I think it's a combination of non-linear storytelling plus expecting the audience of your book to have, to have a certain amount of background knowledge, which I do, to a point, appreciate. Like, I don't ever need to read in a Batman comic book that his parents were murdered again. I think we all know that by now. But they do it almost every, every issue or every other issue. It's brought up because every comic could be somebody's first comic, not Torchwood number one. This can't be your first comic. You'll never read comics again. This just, this expects you to come with a shit ton of knowledge. And I can respect that, but I can't recommend it, if that makes sense. No, I feel you, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, what, what didn't you like specifically about the book, Dean? Was it the fact that you didn't know any of this shit? Well, like, I, I knew Captain Jack because I've watched a decent chunk of uh, Doctor Who, so I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. And then I was sort of just lost, and I don't know, to me, it, since I didn't really know any of the characters, it got kind of boring kind of quick, and it was really hard to follow, which ma- made it even less interesting to me that, like, I'm trying to put together pieces that I don't know where the fuck they go in the first place. So, like, why yeah. am I reading this? I did read it to the end, and I was like, okay, ninjas with jet skis, because Tuesday, and I'm like... I. Is this supposed to be goofy? I don't understand. <laughs> it's it's sometimes goofy and it's often incredibly dark. This hasn't hit nearly the darkness threshold. It was a little closer to the goofy. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Torchwood is a phenomenal show. Like I I have always maintained that while I am a bigger fan of Doctor Who, I always felt that Torchwood was a better show it was better acted it was better written better directed like it was a more mature sci-fi doctor who show i mean that's exactly what it was not not exactly breaking new ground by stating that but better ingredients papa john's (laughs) better ingredients racist fuckhead uh like if you read that recap in the beginning it mentions that owen and Toshiko and Yanto were killed in action. And me reading that, I was like, oh, fuck. When Owen dies, that's so heartbreaking. And, and Toshiko and Yanto and then the 456 and all that was fucked up. Like the 456, just as a quick aside here, Torchwood season three is five episodes long. It may be the best series of television that there has ever been. The 456 is fucking incredible from start to finish. Then when it mentioned Miracle Day, it's like, all right, I knew all of this. So, I mean, I could see, Dean, how you going into this blind. Like I said, there's nothing here for you. So, I mean, based on that, Dean, obviously you're not recommending it. I can't recommend it unless you're a fan of Torchwood and you already have prior knowledge. Then buy the shit out of this. I think you'll enjoy it like I did. Matt, what about you? No, I can't recommend it either. But, Dan, did you catch the joke Reese made when he's sitting in the Jeep? Which one? He says, uh, might be the 21st century, but nothing's bloody changed at all. (laughs) Yeah. It's a joke because they started every single episode of Torchwood by saying the 21st century is when it all changes. Yep, 
in the 21st century is when it all changes. And nothing changed. And nothing changed. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, if you're a fan, pick it up. If you don't, if all of this has been so much stuff and nonsense to you, then avoid this book. Torchwood number one is not for you. Apparently the book that we should have read this week. Sorry, what was that? I was just going to, sorry, John. Big fan of the show. 10 out of 10. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love you, John. Your you your squirrel girl is my favorite cosplay of all time. On point, bro. Um, apparently, the book that we should have read this week that I don't think any of us did was Mycroft Holmes number one. Yo, I saw that, um, and I, I because just... it was written by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Shut up! Is no, that no. the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Not... The basketball or one of the other ones. Novelist and superstar polymath Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sorry, what? Yeah, I'm just reading this solicitation from uh from Go Collect. Uh basketball legend, novelist, and superstar polymath Kareem Abdul Jabbar brings his take on Sherlock Holmes' older brother to comics at last. We are gonna read this this week and talk about it next week. He's not really a polymath, is he? Why the fuck not? I don't know how we missed this. This completely escaped us. It didn't escape me. I think I said something, but then I was like, this is just going to be stupid. Why would we read this? Because it was written. It's a Mycroft Holmes book written by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Didn't know he was a big follower of Sherlock Holmes. Not going to lie. Well, I mean, yeah, neither did I, but hey, whatever. So next week, look forward to that. Our, uh, Our final book of the week is Killer Be Killed number one. Uh, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. Uh, the team sticking together, the team from the fade out, fatal, criminal, um, all phenomenal stories. If you are into crime noir, if you're not into crime noir, these books are just not for you. Me personally, I fucking love this book. I thought that this was excellent. This was my by far my favorite thing that we read this week. I thought it took the the vigilante um punisher-esque character and put an interesting little spin on it our main character here dylan starts off the book narrating uh his fight scene basically and he is just fucking wrecking these dudes he's he's in this apartment and he's got a shotgun and he's fucking murdering people left and right gets his ass kicked a little bit but uh ends up fucking knocking a dude's tooth out with the butt of a shotgun like, it's pretty violent to start off with. And the whole time he's talking uh, about how it's kind of weird to see a little dude doing this shit. He's not really a killer, you know. And then we get to a point where he says, but fuck, this isn't, the, this isn't where we should start. We have to go back a little bit further. And then we get another little bit of Dylan's backstory. He says, no, this still isn't where we should start. We should go back a little bit further. Because he says, you know... This actually all started the night I tried to kill myself. Well, actually, you don't have any context for that. So then we finally get back to w- working our way to where Dylan makes this, uh, makes this leap. Pun not intended. So basically what we have here is a 28-year-old kid who doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do with his life. Has kind of fucked up along the way. And is not the American dream is not happening for him. College didn't work the first time. Uh, he tried to kill himself once, took a bunch of pills, woke up in a hospital, got kicked out of college. 
set him back a couple of years. Now he's back at NYU. He's a grad student, 28 years old, living with this dude, uh, who Mason, who was dating Dylan's best friend. Now, like all good stories like this, Dylan happens to be in love with his best friend. Except in a twist that I don't think that I've seen before, while the girl is dating Mason, he leaves one night to go get some pizza, and she comes over to Dylan and says, do you want to kiss me? And they start making out. They start having an affair behind Mason's back. Now that, in this sort of hard luck loser story, that never happens, right? Unless you guys can think of a time where that has happened before. I, I couldn't come up with anything. No. No. So hard luck loser is getting the girl. Things are kind of doing okay. He's still not thrilled with it because he loves her. He hasn't admitted that to himself yet, but he's obviously in love with this girl. And It's a he's, pity affair. It is. It's kind of like a pity affair because he says, I could never Which hear them having nuts. sex. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, by the way. If you're listening to this and you're like, ah, my friend, I feel bad for him. I'm going to throw him a bone. Don't fucking do that. That's a fucking horrible no. thing. That would be no. Wor- that would you're make not helping you a bad anyone. Person. You're helping um, no one. Literally helping no one. But he says that, you know, I couldn't hear them having sex because Mason makes a joke earlier in the issue. He's like, oh, you know, Kira, she can be a screamer because <laughs> he's fucking one of those guys. Uh, it's just, ugh, it's so douchey. But he says he could hear them talking through the air vents. And one night, in the midst of their affair that he thinks is because she really digs him, he hears her say, I don't know, I guess I feel sorry for him. And at that point, he decides to kill himself. Goes up again? to the top of... Again. Yes, good point. Goes up to the top of his building, chickens out halfway through taking the step over the ledge, gets tangled in some fucking clothing lines, gets saved by a blanket that he said has probably been hanging there from the 80s and falls six stories, but doesn't die. He's banged up and he's bruised, but he's not dead. So on one hand... does he? Well, we'll get there. Shut up, man. man. Jesus. Spoilers. So on one hand, he is fucking thrilled to be alive, right? The other hand, what the fuck just happened? I got to go tell... Kira that I love her, you know, whatever. So he, he goes into the apartment, but while he's in the apartment, this is where the book took a weird turn, but I, I really dug it. This? Yeah, I thought this was, I thought the rest was kind of straightforward up until this point. Um, Fair enough. I, I've read a lot a lot of independent comics, though. This this really isn't all that weird. I didn't think this was oh, a bad right. but I, I thought this was okay. Yeah. I, I didn't, I mean, this isn't the best thing I've ever read, but Compared to what we read this week, I like this a lot. So, but, but here's where the story takes an, a bit of an interesting turn. As Dylan is in his bed, he's like, all right, fuck, I got to go to sleep, man. This is fucking weird. I tried to kill myself. I'm alive. Fuck. My, tomorrow morning, a whole new Dylan. That's how many times have all of us done that? Like, fuck, I am, I've hit the bottom or I've decided to make a change for whatever fucking reason. Tomorrow morning, shit's going to be different. You know, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, losing weight, whatever the hell it is. We've all made this decision. Except for Dylan, while he's sleeping, he is visited by a demon. And the demon says, 
um, you don't get to just have your life back. You, you were going to give a life your own, but you, but you brought that life back. You, you didn't give it, so now you owe me a life. You owe me one per month, which is just the kind of dick move a demon would do because it should have just been a one-to-one transaction. Homie calls it like, rent, man. He does. He's like, you're going to fucking, we're just going to call it rent. You're going to kill one bad person a month. Now, Dylan has no idea if he's fucking hallucinating. He is pretty damn sure that he's not hallucinating. He doesn't believe in demons. He doesn't believe in any of this shit. But the demon tells him, if you don't, you're going to die within a month. You're going to be dead. At the end of the month, Dylan starts getting violently sick. The demon starts showing back up again, says, I fucking told you, man. I, I told you. You got a choice to make. You have, you have 24 hours. Either kill or be killed, like the name of the book. Dylan, as he's walking up to a hospital to get himself checked out, gets mugged. And in that moment, he decides, fuck it. I don't want to die. So I'm going to go find a bad person and I'm going to kill him like this weird maybe hallucination or maybe actual devil has told me to do. Because I know what's happening now and I don't like it. So let's find out what happens then. I thought it was interesting. I love these two together. I love Brubaker and Phillips together. I love Sean Phillips' artwork. Always have. I think it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, The coloring on this particular one was done by Elizabeth Breitweiser who is the wife of one of my favorite artists, Mitch Breitweiser. I thought she did a phenomenal job on the coloring on this book. I mean, Sean Phillips' work is just so fucking kinetic and dramatic, man. Like, he just does amazing things within, within interesting panel layouts. Like, none of this book was really traditional where, with where the text was, the way the panels were laid out, the pages. Actually, the paneling was really cool in this book. it was book. great. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the paneling mean, just, was cool. It's an interesting book. Is it the best thing they've ever done? No, that would be Criminal. Like, if, if you've never read Criminal, that is, uh, that is about comic book perfection. But, Dean, you sound kind of iffy on this book. Where, where's your take on it? No, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I don't think it was as good as Evil Ernie, because uh, I think Evil Ernie was the best thing we read this week. But this was still pretty mm-hmm. good. Um. I didn't really have any problems with it. I I just I I don't know. I mean, I it wasn't anything that blew my fucking mind. Like this is something that has probably been done before to an extent. So I mean, you can even almost go to the point of being like, yeah, it's sort of like Spawn, except he doesn't die. So I don't know. Uh, I I didn't hate it. I thought it was kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. Like this this antisocial, you know, harmless little guy is gonna start murdering people because he has to or else he's gonna die so yeah i'm down yeah, like, man that's i mean that that's an interesting point this isn't frank castle this isn't the punisher like a big burly ex fucking marine this is a nebbish little dude you know this is this is a 28 year old nyu student they're not known for their heights of vigilanteism i don't think anyway <laughs> I, maybe i'm wrong matt where, what's your take on this where where do you lay um i don't know I didn't particularly like it. Uh, there may be obvious absurdity in the statement, but it might have been a little too real for me. Okay. 
Uh, I think maybe even to the book's credit, I think they conveyed sadness very well, which could have yeah. been a major turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. But again, that could almost be to the writer's credit because they're like, oh, you succeeded. It's like when you hate it's like when you hate a character in a movie and then you hate the actor. It's completely irrational. They're acting, but it's like that right. they acted to the point where you believed it and now you hate them and you're going to throw things at them on the street like William Atherton who hated acting after Ghostbusters because everybody hated him. Is, it, is that the yeah, guy I, who played Peck? Yeah. Yeah, Walter Peck. <laughs> is this true? Yes. This man has no dick. I remember him from Biodome. Best fucking line. It, it, it's a fair point, though. It's the wrestling conundrum, right? Like, What, being a heel? Yeah, being a heel in the wrestling ring. Like, Kevin Owens is probably the best heel working in wrestling right now. I mean, this is a guy who at a house show got... It was a house show in, like, Wisconsin or some shit, and he was wrestling Sami Zayn. Now, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, both of them are Canadian. He, because uh, WWE tapes their house shows, so walking out to the camera, he looks, I'm going to get these stupid idiots to start chanting USA while there's two Canadians in the ring. Because that's the typical <laughs> heel foreigner thing, is they sing O Canada in the crowd, USA, USA, because they're always fighting another American. He got the crowd to chant USA, while there are two American, or while there are two Canadians in the ring, he is a phenomenal heel. He also really likes going to the zoo with his kids. You know what I mean? Like I know that because if you follow his Twitter, some of it he keeps in character, and other stuff he doesn't. He has a son who really likes wrestling. He posts pictures of his wife and kid. He's a dad. You know what I mean? So like, I mean, it, I, he reads Shakespeare. Well, he plays the cello. Yeah, I boo the shit out of him when he comes out. Like, fuck this guy. But he could be a nice dude. Yeah, exactly. But he's a nice dude, you know. So, well, I I think that goes uh, not to get too off topic, but I mean, I think that goes to the same. Th most wrestling heels have that problem. Like, mankind. I mean, when he was wrestling, he wasn't yeah. the most popular guy in the world. I mean, granted, now he is because, you know, you mm -hmm. take dives off of a 20-foot cell unintentionally and then keep going to wrestle. Eh, you gotta get some cred. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, when he was wrestling, people didn't fucking like him, but that's that's what you do. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think, Dan, you got a point there. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're good at your job, people are not gonna like you. And, and like Matt said, you know, why I even brought that up is yeah, I mean, to this book's credit, it conveyed sadness really well. That could be a major turnoff to people, you know? And obviously, to our own Asian reporter, Trisha Takanawa, Matt Much, it was a bit of a turnoff. Was that, was that the main thing that, that kept you from liking this, or is this yes, just Dan, not your bag? Yes, it was. <laughs> I want you to do Asian reporter voice from now on. I'm not sure if that's possible. <laughs> I don't think it is. Was was that your major gripe with it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just too real. Well, I I can't fault you for that, man. But I mean, I wholeheartedly recommend this book. I think it was great. Um, especially if you, I mean, if you've read other Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips stuff, this is this is more of just a really, really well put together team. These two just work very, very well together. Uh, Dean, are you saying yes or no? 
I'm saying that it's worth picking up. I don't I don't think it's a bad book in any way. And, I mean, I think some people might like it. It might not be for everyone because, I mean, you know, there's two out of three here who did like it. So, yeah, right. there, there's a chance you might not. But, I, I mean, I feel like the, uh, the writer and, you know, artist, I, I think it's definitely worth a shot. All right. And, Certainly. Matt, you're, you're a no, a solid no. Nah, yeah. As solid as you as you ever are on these. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very I'm Fair. pretty non-committal. That's <laughs> what we love about you. So I overall I think it was a uh, a pretty weak week in the uh, world of comic books. Hopefully, uh, next week will be a little bit stronger. But I did want to bring up one last thing. Have either of you checked out? I know I put a message up that you shouldn't. But have either of you checked out the DC animated feature, The Killing Joke? Nope. No, I, I read all over the place that I shouldn't. It. Have either of you read The Killing Joke? Yeah, and I, I mean, okay. f- firstly, I, people hype that book up so much that like any normal comic book reader nowadays reading this, I feel like uh, you're it's. It's never gonna live up to that hype, but I mean mm-hmm. that, that that's that's just me. And you know, to be honest, if this um an animated uh, video was like just even divided between people liking it and not liking it, I might have seen it. But everyone's just saying it wasn't good. So they're not saying it's a flaming car wreck, but most people are just saying it's not good and it's not worth well, watching. Somebody said that. Oh no no it, it's a it's a fucking flaming car wreck. I did watch it because The Killing Joke is up there with year one as far as my favorite Batman stories ever ever put to print. Now, I know Evan feels similarly, but we're also older than you guys are. So what it doesn't automatically make The Killing Joke good, but what people, what younger listeners or readers have to understand is that in 1986 or so, when The Killing Joke came out, there was nothing else that violent, that real, that mind, that big of a mind fuck like The Killing Joke was. I mean, this is a book where, where the Joker shows up and in front of Commissioner Gordon shoots and paralyzes his daughter, takes Gordon away, drugs him out of his fucking mind, and then shows him pictures of his daughter after the Joker and his gang, we assume, have sexually assaulted her in some manner. It is a fucking adult story. It is, it is deep. It is dark. It is depressing. And the end of the book has always been left up to uh, interpretation because the, the, big, the big message here in, in The Killing Joke has always been where is the end of the Batman and the Joker? <laughs> Batman goes to Arkham, and we don't know it's a fake Joker sitting there. We, we assume it's the real one, but as Batman assumes that he is talking to the real Joker, he says, you know, I've been thinking a lot about where this ends. Do I kill you? Do you kill me? Do we kill each other? You know, and there's a point at the end of this book, the very last panel, where the Joker tells Batman a joke, and it's fucking funny, and they both are laughing back and forth, and then the panel is black, but we just have some onomatopoeia that says crack. Maybe Batman breaks the Joker's neck. I, who knows? It's open to interpretation. It's a, it's a 
incredibly well done story. This they both animated like pistachios. <laughs> this animated movie shits all over it. I have never been so goddamn disappointed in especially DC animation, which is usually fucking stellar. I mean, that is, that is what they are known for. But man, did they drop the ball on this one. The art sucks. It doesn't look like Brian Boland's art. There is a whole 40 minutes added to the story where they basically turn Batgirl from a badass into a pining, whining little girl who seduces Batman and they fuck on a rooftop. That's a thing that happens in this movie. I, I think Brass at DC uh, were looking for a, a, a money-making engine and they know people were asking for this and they were like, all right, fuck it, let's, let's do it. And it just, I don't think it got enough time in the, uh, the cooker to really come all the way through and we got some half-assed attempt at a, out of what most people think is one of the best graphic novels. I, it was just watching, <laughs> watching Batman and Batgirl start making out and then Batbang was so cheap. It was just fucking cheap. Do not watch this film. Don't do is it. it. Don't fucking it right, support them. Is it right that the really poor material was everything that had been added? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the retelling of the actual graphic novel is pretty good. The art, I didn't like the art direction that they went with. But Brian Boland's pencils on the original Killing Joke graphic novel are so iconic. This just didn't look very good, I didn't think. Um, also, and this breaks my heart to say it, but I don't know that Kevin Conroy should ever do Batman again. Uh-oh. Is he losing this was, his touch? This was by far the most phoned-in-sounding performance that he's given. Maybe he didn't like the material, maybe he's just getting too old, but this was not Kevin Conroy Batman. Mark Hamill was fantastic as the Joker, as he always is. But it just... Uh, don't fucking support this. Please, if you are on the fence and you have not seen it yet, fucking don't. Go buy The Dark Knight instead. Both parts were amazing. Peter Weller's old Batman is a fucking genius casting call. Anyway, that's my two cents for this week. Um... That's going to wrap up issue 96 of the Paper Cuts podcast. Announcer guy, tell us a couple things. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan. Thanks again, announcer guy. And once again, thank you for listening all the way through up until the very bitter end of the Paper Cuts podcast. We really do appreciate it. <laughs> if you have a second while you're done, 
listen or when you're done listening to the show, why don't you head on over to iTunes or Stitcher, leave us a five star rating and review. It's the easiest way to get more eyes and ears on the show, gets us up the charts, and it is absolutely free of charge. If you have any questions or want to talk to us, you can always send us a general communication. That is mail at geekade.com. If you want to get a hold of any of us individually, you can always follow us on Twitter. I am at Dan. You can follow Dean at Kimono underscore Vestlord. And you can follow Matt at Matt. You could also follow our absent member this week, Evan at Evan or Geekade underscore Evan. Join us again next week when we have a whole new slew of books to talk about, and hopefully some of them will be better than what we read this week. Until that time, for Evan Goldstein, for Matt Much, for Dean DeFalco, and for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan.